0: This is Y-Tune Shuffle.
1: Why tune Shuffle. It's the music that informs our lives.
0: The rules here are that there are no rules other than just bring in your music, mm. hit play.
1: And then we get to pick your brain about why those songs. Yeah. It's this... Magic
0: song that pushes me forward into a very sort of motivated place.
1: Is this on one of your playlists? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah it's on my climb playlist. Yeah. yeah. No, okay. <laughs> Welcome to
2: Y Tune Shuffle, a celebration of the music that inspires our lives, with your hosts, comedian and radio personality Maggie Mayfield and Hollywood's secret weapon,
1: David Earl Waterman. This is Y Tune Shuffle. Let's roll, baby, roll. Welcome to the show, Y Tune Shuffle. It's a beautiful Saturday morning in Los Angeles. My name is Maggie Mayfield, and I'm your host today. And with me, as always, I'm glad to see you. I I know we kind of skipped a week, but my perfect co host and sidekick, David Earl Waterman, a.k.a. Hollywood's Secret Weapon.
0: Here I am, baby. Nice Uh, to be here. It's great to see you too, Maggie. You
1: too, and I'm glad the June Gloom is back. It's not so hot. Yes. Which feels good. And then our very special guest, Empowerment National Touring Comedian, Ernie G! Ernie came! He made it!
2: Hi, guys. That's
0: empowering right there. Yeah.
1: (laughs) You are very empowering and very smart and so funny.
0: You, really? were, you
1: were on my monthly showcase show this week on Tuesday. Oh, yeah. That was awesome. LA, and you just killed it. There were all these girls that were just sitting in the corner and they were like on their phone the whole time and talking. And uh, already was like, listen. Listen to me. <laughs>
2: the millennials, man, they have a two-minute attention span. They would literally listen for two minutes or like a minute, and if you, they didn't, if you didn't get like a laugh, like every single joke, then they would turn around, and start taking selfies of themselves, and doing shots and stuff. And I was like, you guys are typical millennials. I got to keep your attention for longer than two seconds for you guys to pay attention. It's, yeah,
0: it's, it's a so thing. Yeah. It's a thing. But yeah.
2: the, the God, sometimes God just kind of walks into the room because I was like, how am I, how how am I going to grab them? And they happen to be. Multicultural Like black and white And Asian girls From Australia Which was kind of weird Yeah so I was like What's, what's up with this Australia And somebody, somebody had done A joke about swingers Or something And uh-huh. then they responded To that I'm like Let's give it up For the bicultural <laughs> Swingers from Australia and, and they were like
0: That's us Oh my god He's talking about us so, so good.
2: I find that if you highlight millennials they get excited. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Talk
1: get... about me? What do you mean? <laughs> me, well, me,
2: me, for sure. Me, me, yeah, that makes good sense. Yeah. How long have we been doing stand up now? Oh my gosh. Uh, 20 years, 1997. This wow. is my 20 year anniversary. Congratulations. Yes. Congratulations. Yeah, I'm so excited. yeah, yeah. Well, my very first performance ever was Christmas Eve 1996. And I remember it was, I, I tell people all the time when you get up on stage, like one of two things is going to happen. You're either going to suck mm-hmm. and you're like, I'm never doing that again. Mm-hmm. Or you're going to suck and you're going to say, I have to do that again. <laughs> and if the second thing happens to you, may God have mercy on your soul because you have the bug. And so I, but I didn't go up on stage again for another maybe six, seven months. No, probably about four or five months. And then uh, 1997, I went up. First show ever was. The Eastside Comedy Jam. Huh. Uh, Rudy Moreno used to have a show at the uh, Black Angus in Alhambra. Awesome. It was like a like you know just a Tuesday night crazy Mexican bar hangout type place. And I had like sixty of my grammar school friends show up, and I was like, wow. "Come on, guys, please!" And they're like, "We're here to see G. We're here to see G. And then after they were like, um, did, "Didn't you graduate from college? <laughs> you should probably you know get a job." Yeah, and are you, are you... you weren't very funny.
0: And I was like, "I suck." Is that where you grew up in LA? Alhambra? I grew up in Alhambra. Yeah, yeah.
2: Well, the, the joke is I grew up in Highland Park for a little while. My mom went to Franklin High School. So I grew up in Highland Park, started hanging around with a bunch of cholos. My mom didn't want me to be a cholo, so we moved to Alhambra. Mm-hmm. So instead of a cholo, I turned into a chino. Um, okay, for our listeners in Europe, <laughs> yeah, what
0: that please mean? define cholo and chino. Yeah. A cholo is
2: what a lot of people refer to as like a Mexican gang member. You know, it's a bald-headed dude with a big white T-shirt. So that's what most people refer to as a cholo. It's, it's what most people refer to as a Mexican or Salvadoran gang member. It's what Mexicans and Salvadorans refer to as family members. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but, and then a Chino is what we call Asian people. Latinos call Asian people's chinos. So I started hanging around with Cholos. My mom didn't want me to be a Cholo. So we moved to an Asian populated oh, Alhambra area. Alhambra is Alhambra. a
0: very heavily Asian populated part of Los Angeles. Exactly.
2: Right. So instead of a Cholo, I turned into a Chino. Da, 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 psh. And if you grew up in L.A., then you totally get that. But I guess we have listeners all over the world.
0: <laughs> we hope. <Yes. laughs> we do, right? Yes. Like, yeah. So we have to start paying nice. attention to getting these great stories translated because no. and i 've been here twenty i 've been here about twenty two years oh wow came out in ninety seven from New York and l a is the city that keeps telling you stories that um, keeps growing yeah. you know not just in size but just in awareness
2: and the vernacular changes everywhere you go too, and I have to be super sensitive about, about that because everywhere I go, I do a joke about if you grew up in the neighborhood you 'll always have a little ghetto in you. But the word ghetto is so, like, everywhere it's different. You know what I mean? Like, in New York it's different, and in Miami it's different, Texas it's different. And Some people are like,
0: yeah, that's right,
2: what's up, ghetto, we love that. And other people are like, uh, no, sorry, well, you're not from the ghetto. At all. And so I always have to be sensitive.
1: So can you talk a little bit about what it is that you do? Because <laughs> your, your particular brand of stand-up is not going to the comedy store and telling jokes late night at the bar. I anymore, mean, yours, anymore. it was very different.
2: I got really spoiled. When I first started comedy in 1997, Ricky Martin appeared on the Grammys in 1998, the beginning of 98. And when Ricky Martin came out on the Grammys, the next day the whole world wanted to be Latino. And Rosie O'Donnell, oh, my God, did you see him? Oh, my God. (laughs) uh, You know, Oprah was talking about him, and I think Phil Donahue was on the air, and he mentioned him. So, like, everyone wanted to be Latino. So, when you start comedy, you have to do the open mics, and you Mm -hmm. have to grind, and you have to go to the Laugh Factory on a Tuesday at 6 a.m. to sign up to get three minutes, hopefully, (laughs) that night. And then Jamie Masado is like, very funny, very funny, come back in six months, my friend, right? And so, three years into it, you're still doing open mics, but... Because of Ricky Martin, I got to host salsa events and like, you know, there was all these Hispanic and Latino venues that would have three, four hundred people, and I'd get to go open and do fifteen minutes in front of all these crowds. So I I got to earn my bust my chops and earn earn you know some stage time, and within a year I was opening in front of three, four hundred people, which was awesome. Wow! And then the cool thing that happened to me was, and it's it's a good thing and a bad thing. Comedy Central had auditions for a show called Make Me Laugh, the new version of Make Me Laugh, and like 600 comedians auditioned for it. Mm -hmm. And of the 600, I'd probably say about 40 Hispanic Latino comics auditioned for it, and five of us got a spot. George Lopez got a spot, Gabriel Iglesias got a spot, this guy named Luke Torres, Carlos Alaz Rocky, and yours truly, Ernie G. And the only reason I booked it was because I used to be a balloon artist. Oh my God. A, ball- totally oh, a balloon. Oh, here we spot. go.
0: Here we go. Ernie, spill it. I used
2: to be a balloon artist after college and I would twist balloons at Universal City Walk and a, like a third street promenade for money on the streets. Yeah. And, you know, like people that would see me because I'd make these awesome little balloons and then I'd make, you know, tips, two, three bucks, whatever. And people would walk by me going, didn't you graduate from college with
0: us? (laughs) Like, what are you
2: doing on the streets selling balloons? And I was like, dude, I made four or five hundred bucks at Universal City Walk on a Sunday afternoon twisting balloons. So I go audition and I made an amazing balloon on the spot because you had thirty seconds to make a producer laugh. And so instead of telling jokes, like everyone was just telling jokes, and the producers were just staring at them, like uh huh, mm-hmm. next. So I went in there and I went and I made a balloon, and they were like, oh my god, we got to book this guy. So it wasn't like I got the gig because I was funny. I got the gig because I could make some awesome balloons.
0: And so smart, yeah. Can we walk a little bit backward into how did you learn the skill of balloon twisting? Who taught you that? So
1: different.
0: Maggie is like I.
2: Learning so much about you, Ernie. Oh my god, you got kicked out of college and you're a balloon artist. Wonderful. (laughs) When I graduated from Loyola Marymount University, I went to the career placement office. Come on. And back in the day, they didn't, you know, now it's all computerized. But back when I was in 1994, when I was in college, you would be like at the library and you'd pull out this big old deck of, of index cards. The card catalog? And, the card catalog. Okay. And then you'd look for your major. And I found psychology, liberal arts. I pulled out the liberal arts one. then I looked at the tab that said psychology. And I'm looking through it. It was like, you know, group home and working with patients. And then it said balloon twister's wanted and I was like what is this said balloon abilities and I'm like dude I've always wanted to learn how to twist balloons
0: that's so (laughs) random that's my
2: career placement office at Loyola Mary about balloon abilities (laughs) so I called and they said we don't pay you but we'll train you how to make balloons and then you go to like restaurants and you do it for free and if they tip you then you make whatever money you make on tips I shadowed some dude at Chevy's right here in Burbank down the street no way yes and he showed me how to make a couple balloons and he goes go ahead dude make one and I made one and I gave it to the lady and she handed me five bucks and the dude was you like you like hooked yeah <laughs> he was like give me that money dude you don't get to keep that you're training I was like what? dude you that's me, not dude. right but that's... I became a beast so I, I had these business cards made called the balloon guy I was the balloon guy and then this is <laughs> kind of a different part of the story is I met this amazing manager he was one of the top agents in Hollywood back in, in the 80s. He had clients on Falcon Crest and Knots Landing. He actually discovered Charlene Tilton, wow. who was on Dallas. And so he was on the cover of A Hollywood Reporter with Charlene. And so he was this big Hollywood agent. But by the time I met him, he was just doing writing. And he was he was a Latino writer. He used to write for Happy Days. He was one of the first Latinos to ever write for Happy Days. Wow. His What's name his was, name? His name was John Mercedes. John Mercedes, and uh, long story short, when I started comedy, I would make balloon, twist balloons to make money on the side. And he goes, Ernie, you got to upgrade your business card. You're not the balloon guy anymore. You're now the balloon artist to the stars. And he made me, dude. Oh my god, this is so embarrassing. Do you, I'm you about still
1: to... have the business card?
2: I just pulled it out, he baby. He pulled out his wallet. I pull out my wallet,
0: bam!
1: Oh the balloon artist goodness. to the
2: stars.
0: And this card goes back how many years? Decades? 19, it's 20 f- years. Yeah, right 97, May 98. May I just touch this? Because, <laughs> I mean, the, obviously, folks, it's it's about commitment <laughs> and everything. Like, the fact that you're the kind of person that would say, I'll look into balloon twisting. Oh, yeah. I think I, I this Aww. is the, the, this is one show already in, in the can. We got, like, this, <laughs> this is a great start.
2: And I'm looking at this card, and I'm getting kind of emotional because... I remember my first card said "Ernie G, the Balloon Guy," yeah, and it was in on pink cardstock from Kinkos. That's
1: so cute. And then
2: he made me upgrade. And I had—I remember I didn't have money; I, I couldn't afford it. And he made me spend 150 bucks to have someone design this for me. And it's like colorful and stuff. I have all of my old business cards in my wallet, so I never forget. Look at my old Zed card, my first acting Zed Look card. Look at
1: your headshot. It's a picture
2: of my headshot on an old business card. But anyway, are you I sticking
1: just, your tongue out there?
2: what are you doing no but it's an old school it's an old school it's an uh, old
1: microphone old
2: microphone yeah
1: he's definitely sag after (laughs) hey man well
2: i was i haven't paid my dues recently no i'm just kidding (laughs) see it's a picnic (laughs) exactly so anyways the point is i try to remember my humble beginnings so the point is i got booked on comedy central Mm -hmm. and because of that i kind of made my a little tiny name for myself like who's this ernie g dude you know everyone, everyone knew george lopez and and all the other comics that had booked it, but they didn't know me, so it put me on the map. But it also kind of created this thing where I was hated amongst the Latino comedians. Like, sure. how do you get that? Who the hell's that guy? And how that happened? That the beginning of the hatred towards Ernie G started. You know there. what
1: though? You still worked for it. It's not like it was handed to you. Yeah. You still went out and grinded and had to do the balloons and meet and network and. And work. Auditioned. You had to write and audition, and
0: you did it. You did it. Totally. Yeah, it's like you it know, wasn't
1: it, handed to you.
2: Yeah. So th- to answer your question about the empowerment comedy stuff, first person in my family to go to college got kicked out of college, uh, academically disqualified. A bunch of bad things happened. When that happened, I was lost for about a year, and then my aunt died. And when she died, I spoke at her funeral. And at our funeral, I promised my family, I said, I'm going back to college in her honor. And I ask all of you, do that thing that you know you're supposed to do. Dance that dance, sing that song. Do the thing that God put you on the planet to do, if not for me and my dear, then for the people you most know and love. And for the next year and a half, I, I worked my butt off, got back into college and graduated. When all of that happened, I randomly came home one day and I saw this motivational speaker named Les Brown on TV. And Les Brown was on PBS and he was saying, you are meant for greatness. He said, life is full of ups and downs. So when I get knocked, down, I pray, I land on my back, because if I can look up, I can get up. Hey! And I'm like, who is this dude? He's talking into my soul. He says, that it is better to be prepared for an opportunity and not have one than to have an opportunity and not be prepared. Hey! And I was like, dude, this dude is speaking to my soul. And so when I got back into college, it was because Les Brown had really inspired me and my tia dying and all of that stuff. So when I started comedy, I wanted to incorporate comedy and empowerment. Yeah. But I wasn't funny yet.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So I'd go go up on stage
2: and I'd kind of bomb and kind of die. And then at the end i go, and you can live your dreams if you go for it in life. And I was like, Who is this bonehead? (laughs) It's not even funny. He's trying to tell us we can live our dreams. And my buddy, I got to give him mad props. I'll say his name, too. His name is Willie Barsena. Anybody in the Latino comedy world knows Willie. Uh And Willie used to be like the police guy of comedy. Dude, don't do that joke. That's hacky, dude. Dude, why (laughs) are you doing that stupid joke, bro? Don't do that. And so he came up to me. He goes, bro. What are you doing, dude? Nobody wants to hear that live your dreams BS, dude. He's all tell a flipping joke, bro. Uh-huh. He's all people come to comedy to forget about their lives. You're making them think about their lives. <laughs> I'm like, you're right, dude. And so for the next 10 years, I never did any empowerment stuff. And I just worked on trying to get funny. So thank you, Willie Barsena, for teaching me the ropes. And so I, I, the next 10 years, I just tried to get funny. And, and I think I got pretty funny.
1: You you are funny.
2: Oh, thank you. Yeah. And so about 10 years ago, the National Council de la Raza, which is a national organization of Hispanic, it's kind of like the Latino NAACP, invited me to a big conference. They said, do 10 minutes. It has to be clean. 10 minutes of clean comedy. I'm like, I think I can pull 10 minutes out of my act that's clean. So I go up in front of all these dignitaries and business owners and CEOs, all Hispanic. I do my 10 minutes. And right before I'm closing my bit, the sound system crashes. Some dude runs up to me with a cordless mic. attached to a little speaker. And he's like, keep going until we fix the sound system. I'm like, dude, I'm done with my clean material. I have nothing else to say. And they're all he's all just just talk to him. So I'm like, "Uh, anybody go to college out there? You know, forgetting that it's all these educated Hispanics. And they're like, hello. So then I just started telling my autobiographical story of what, what it's like to be one of the only Hispanics in a classroom at Loyola Marymount and how racist the professors were. And Wow. You know, just, you know, the first experience of racism was in high school. My, the brother at St. Francis High School, who was a priest, is supposed to be like our father figure. He said the word Mexicans with a snare on his nose. Mm. You know, he's Mexicans. Mm. And I was like... Doesn't he know that we're Mexican? Like, I looked at another buddy of mine who, you know, he's like, he's talking about us, right, dude? And so I'm saying all these jokes. Not jokes, but I'm just telling this story in front of all these Hispanics. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the guy kept looking at me. Stretch it out, dude. Stretch it out. And 52, I remember, because, you know, as comics, we keep track of our time. 52 minutes later, the sound came back on. And I had just told my story about going to college, getting kicked out of college, working my butt off to get back in. I told the balloon story about being a balloon twister. I told the story about meeting this manager who helped me you know, get started in comedy. And uh, I usually have my comedy CDs, and if I sell three or four of them, I'm happy. I sold 30 of my CDs, wow. and I had a stack of business cards. And it was like the CEO of General Mills, Hispanic Marketing, PepsiCo. And the next year, I flew to Chicago and performed for Pepsi. I flew to Minneapolis, performed for General Mills. All these Hispanic marketing people flew me all over the country to do this corporate comedy, and I was like, why are you guys hiring me? What about George Lopez and Paul Rodriguez and all these quote-unquote really famous Hispanic comics? And they're like, we've hired them before, and we want them to keep it clean, and they don't keep it clean. And I thought, dude, if I learned how to do clean, I could get paid by corporations instead of by comedy club owners. And so for the next two years, I worked on getting uh, my material to be clean. And that's where Ernie G., the empowerment comedian, was born.
0: Well done. Wow. yeah. Well done, man. Yeah. That's really cool. cool. Thanks, yeah. man. Yeah. Great story.
2: So I was just like, you know, if some young dude who's not even been in the game that long could be making 5000 bucks from General Mills to perform for their Hispanic marketing people, this is where I need to be. And so- all I did was get rid of all my old blue material and I just focused on the empowerment stuff started speaking at schools and colleges and then you know I won't get too much into it but the the Hispanic College Fund did an ad campaign to get more Hispanic kids to go to college and they they met me I I did a bunch of commercials to get kids excited about college and where my commercials ran West Hills Community College which is a community college in California where the kids between Bakersfield and Fresno, they go work in the fields. They, they follow their parents into the fields. And so boys, 18 to 21, that demographic was shrinking as far as going to college was concerned. My commercials ran and they had a 16% increase in Hispanic registrations wow. at, at those community colleges. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. And so the Hispanic College Fund heard about this. They flew me to D.C. I performed at the, uh, across the street from the White House at the J.W. Marriott in front of like Chris Matthews from Hardball was there and all these dignitaries were there and I killed it. And for the next eight years I was the national spokesperson for the Hispanic College Fund. Uh, and flew across the country and inspired thousands of kids to go to college. And that's what I do now. And the only reason I met Maggie here was because I had missed being in comedy clubs. I, I get spoiled and I'm in colleges and universities. And so my buddy's like, yeah, I have a buddy named Johnny Flowers. He has a comedy show on Sunday nights in Orange County. I think he'll, he'll give you a spot, dude. So I called some random dude, Johnny Flowers, cool little uh, comedian producer dude. He goes, yeah, man, come on down. And he goes, What's your name again, dude? Like he didn't even know me. Who are you, bro? And I said, dude, do me a favor. Put me up last, man, because, you know, if I go up first, I'm going to kill it. And these guys, I don't know if they're going to be able to follow me. And Maggie was the host. And all the comics, they were okay. Nobody really stood out. But what I told Maggie's after the show, because I went up there and I did pretty well. And after the show, I went up to her and I go, girl, how long have you been doing it?" She was like, oh, you know, I'm pretty pretty new and fresh. And I go, girl, you have the likability factor, dude. Whether or not, you know, you know you're know, you seasoned as far as your comedy is concerned. But I just liked looking at you and I liked listening to you. And she's well, like, I, that's,
0: I met Maggie on stage. We were doing an audition. She came in, you know, it was kind of this come between three and five audition. And nice. it just so happened... Maggie walks in and the producer points at me you and uh, you coming in right now nice yeah. and uh my my first month knowing Maggie I mean it's about showing up mm-hmm. I mean your story and Maggie's story and I I'm fortunate and blessed to be able to say that you know i did a little bit of showing up and got to see that being a constant norm in people that are doing what they love yeah. you're a big package of give back yeah that's what i love about it ernie you're yeah. giving back you're making a career out of giving back oh yeah that's yeah. that's what my life's about
1: well thank you that means a lot coming from you actually Aww. so thank you Shall we do some songs? Yeah, hey, yeah. yeah. Let's do
2: some 90% songs. of this show is about the music. <laughs> and we haven't had one song yet. And our guests
0: know that's how we roll. We need and we need to know you. We've
2: been singing the Ernie G song. All
0: right, cool. Alright, awesome.
1: song number one. Here we go.
2: Yeah. <laughs> oh my G. Do we listen to the whole song or just a little piece of it? The whole just, thing?
0: Just a little
1: piece of it. Yeah. yeah. You can't tell, by the way.
2: Is there anybody out there that didn't practice this song in the shower?
0: <laughs> <laughs> born born uh, before 1972. Uh, I mean, do you, do you remember the sketch on SNL when oh John Belushi God. did uh, Samurai Night Fever? Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. amazing. What? John Belushi <laughs> did a sketch called Samurai Night Fever, and it was this song. And Bee Gees were on that show that night. Yes. And he was, like, in his samurai outfit so combing great. his... I love day. it. This song. Why, Ernie? What's oh, up? Oh,
2: th- there's two reasons. A, I was a little boy and my mom took us to go see it. And she it was my mom and her best friend, and her best friends, like nieces and nephews. So there was like literally like fifteen of us, a bunch so of Mexican fun. kids. Yeah. We went to the Highland Theater in Highland Park, which is still there. Uh-huh. It's, it's like three bucks on Tuesday nights. And we went to go see Saturday Night Fever. And I'm in the theater, vividly remember this. I must have been a little boy. I don't know, five, six, seven. I don't remember what year it came out. But I was a little boy. And we're watching Saturday Night Fever. And all of a sudden, a stripper comes out on the screen. And I see I Chi-Chi's
0: for the first that. time in my life. I remember that. chi
2: And I remember <laughs> looking up at my mom like, can I look at the Chi-Chi's? I'm looking at the Chi-Chi's. And my mom she stayed plastered looking straight ahead with this look of horror in her face like I am not looking at my son
0: and I'm like my mom took me
2: to see Chi-Chi's but,
0: it, but it, I, if my memory serves me it was more than Chi-Chi's my friend oh. I think she was completely that was the 70's really yeah that was the second
2: scene the first scene was the stripper at the club and so it was a stripper at the club but then John Travolta takes the girl into the back seat of the car and then he has well, sex well that's with the her.
0: other guy double, double J yeah, oh, Double, J, Double J, J, J got the woman in the back of
2: the car. That's right, that's right. Oh, yeah. but I, the stripper, I vividly remember the stripper, and I just remember going, My mom brought me to see Chi Chi's.
1: And did you talk to your cousins about it? Oh
2: my God, dude, it was like a ruckus. We were like, <laughs> 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 We're all looking at each other. Did our mom bring us to see a movie with Chi Chi's? Uh. But then the other thing, too, is my aunt, there used to be this TV show in the 70s. And it was called Dance Fever, Dance Fever. Johnny Torrio, Danny Terrio. Danny Terrio. And they had like these dance floor mats where you could do one, two, three, one, two, three, and learn the steps. And my grandmother bought that for my aunt, my tia Maravina. And so I came over one time and she was like teaching me these dance moves. And we would watch like the VHS reruns of Saturday Night Fever over and over again. And I memorized John Travolta's moves and i just remember by the time i got to 7th and 8th grade i knew his moves and my like at a dance i remember i shook my butt and i i stuck the finger up in the
0: air like yeah. john travolta and i was like Doo!
2: how did you learn to do that you know how to dance and i'm like my tia taught me all of the cool moves Uh,
0: travolta just i mean he's from new york he was you know trained actor from a very young day that opening scene he's carrying the paint cans down through brooklyn
2: oh man dude
0: i love that choice it's
2: just a classic john travolta made everyone in the world love disco and then <laughs> shortly thereafter everyone hated disco. Mm-hmm. I remember? But yeah. But there was yeah. a I'd say for 2-3 years after that movie came out everywhere in the world people wanted to dance disco. I want to hear me.
1: about your tia. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah I my wanna, tia. What's her what's her name and
2: My tia Maravina, she's uh, Maravina Jaimez is one of the only Latina actresses ever to earn an Emmy. Wow. Yeah. Whoa. Isn't that cool? That's yeah. Really cool? Yeah, so my family came over from Mexico uh, when my mom was 9. And my uncle actually became a child actor. So my grandmother used to make my family make piñatas to make money. She would say, we got to go make piñatas. My grandmother is one of those entrepreneurs that makes mm-hmm. money any way she can. Yeah. She'd see a cactus. She'd cut it up, chop it up, put it into a jar, and sell it to the community. as They're called nopales. And nopal you eat cactus. So my grandmother was a piñata maker and a cactus seller. And my uncle was like, I don't want to get my hands all dirty making piñatas. And she's like, you got to help us make some money somehow. So he would sing and dance in the streets and make tips. Wow. Wow. So Somebody discovered him, put him on a Saturday morning TV show, uh, Latin jazz in the morning at 6 a.m. on Saturday mornings, and in between commercials, he would come out and sing and dance and tap dance, and his nickname was Fosforito, which means matchstick, and he was the little matchstick, Fosforito, and so put, they put him on Bonanza and Gunsmoke, he had all, nice. all these little parts, his little Mexican kid. About 10, 15 years ago, I'm flipping through the channels at 2 o'clock in the morning on Animal Planet. They're showing a rerun of Lassie, and I see this little 10-year-old Mexican kid with a sombrero and a sarape, which is a Mexican blanket, parched over his shoulder. And he's like, Senor Sheriff, we cannot find the Lassie. She is missing. Uh, I'm
0: like,
2: dude, that's my uncle. Wow. That's amazing. I call him in New York. I go, Tio, Tio, they're rerunning your episode of Lassie, forgetting that it's 5 in the morning in New York. <laughs> he's like, go back to sleep, mijo. They rerun that stuff all the time time, <laughs> man. And, but my uncle had this uncanny ability of making the family laugh. And I had a typical Mexican family where everyone would like, somebody would get drunk. And my grandma's like, yeah, get out of my house. You crazy idiots. And so my uncle would go, guys, guys, I got one. I got one. He would tell a story and tell a joke. And Mexicans, we exaggerate jokes, right? They, we stretch a one minute joke into a five minute <laughs> joke. and then we tell the punchline boss and everyone's cracking up laughing. And as a 10, nine, 10 year old kid, I'm like, dude, we were all fighting. And now, now we're laughing. I want to learn how to do that. So my, my uncle's youngest daughter, a sister, my tia Maravina at the time, well, there was Maravina and Marlene and Maravina used to sing. So my grandmother, since my uncle was a star, she would make Maravina sing in front of everybody. Oh my God, I'm getting emotional. There was a show after Sesame Street called Villa Alegre. And Villa Alegre means happy little village. And it was Sesame Street, the Electric Company, and then Vía Alegre. And my tía went on Vía Alegre as a f- like five or six year old and sang a little song. And the host of the show, her name was Carmen Zapata. Carmen Zapata was in a bunch of movies with Ricardo Montalban. He, she was a, a famous actress, and she hosted this little kids' TV show called Vía Alegre. And my tía Maravina was on that. And long story short, she became an actress. She hosted a kids' TV show on PBS called Storytime in the 80s and 90s. And Storytime was on the air for seven seasons, I believe, and my Tia Maravina was the host with a little puppet named Kino. So Mara and Kino would tell read stories, and celebrities would come on every week and read, like John Ritter and all these famous celebrities would read stories to the kids with a little puppet named Kino, and my Tia Maravina, her name was Mara, and she won an Emmy Award, a Daytime Emmy Award. And, and several years ago, the the Skirball Center in Hollywood did the top 100 Latinos in Hollywood, and my tia Maravina being one of the only Emmy award-winning actresses was one on that list. Wow. And I, I got to go to, lis- to listen, and I met all these amazing Latino actors that not enough people know about.
0: What an amazing Los wow. Angeles family, man. Isn't that yeah. great?
2: Yeah. Tia's still in the biz. She does voiceover work, and mm-hmm. she was the voice of Desperate Housewives in, in Espanol. Oh, wow. Yeah. so yeah. Any, oh, cool. Yeah, and she, got, she had a big IKEA campaign, like mm-hmm. any commercial that IKEA does in Spanish, it's my tia's voice. Wow. So she's been a very successful voice. She got, oh my God, I can't believe I'm going to tell you this. One of the songs that I was going to do that I didn't do of the five was MC Hammer's Too Legit to Quit. Yes. Too Legit, Too, too legit, legit to quit. quit. He did like a 15-minute version of music video, and he wanted a supersede Thriller, like he was hoping it would mm-hmm. beat Thriller. And of course, it was James Brown was in it. It was horrible. But I did voiceover for the Too Legit to Quit video. My tia got me that gig. Wow. And I just remember going to a studio similar to this one just for like hours going, Too Legit, Too Legit to Quit. <laughs> oh, my God. Too Legit too legit to quit. Oh, literally wow. saying that for two hours. Oh you know? my okay, god. we need we need another one. We need another. This one, do it higher. Okay, this one, do it lower. Too legit. Now this one higher. Too legit. Too. I'm like, oh god, I'm sick of V-O, that. Vo. I
0: mean, Maggie, you know you're a vo uh-huh, artist. That's what I do. Yeah, and I, I've done looping before. It's hard work, oh you know, god. to get that right. Ugh.
1: That
0: sounds so cool. Yeah. So nice.
2: my tia my was very cool. And she taught she used to babysit me, and she she taught me Danny and Terrio moves from Dance Fever. Yeah. Dance, yeah. fever. dance Fever. Dance Fever. Oh, Thank Dari. you. Danny and Terrio. Oh, my God. People either hated them or loved them. We all loved them for yeah. that
0: 20, uh, 15 minutes, right?
1: Yeah. Um, song number two? Yeah. yeah.
0: Let's do it. Let it ride. Let ah. it ride. Oh, jeez. <laughs> There's only you In my
2: life The only
1: thing Why is everyone fine. crying?
2: Do, I need Kleenex
1: My first love <laughs> <sighs> you every breath That <laughs> I take you every step <laughs> I make oh.
0: oh, here's that nice bridge <laughs> And I <laughs> I want you. Where are you?
1: Where are you? Where
0: hey, I I let's go know. down the list. Say, let's go down the
2: list. Where anyway. are you? Where I need you. I've always been chubby my whole life. I was in in first grade. I was chubby, and even as an athlete in sixth grade, all the basketball dudes had ripped six packs, and I had a little chubby belly. But in sixth grade, I fell in love with Joanne Rena. Mm.
0: And I asked her to go around. Go? Oh, you went go around? <laughs> go around? Yes. That was
2: when I was in sixth grade. It was you would go around, okay. and all that meant was that she would wear my jacket. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If she wore my jacket, we were going around, mm-hmm. and we would hold pinkies. Mm. And then she said no. Joanne. Oh. Joanne Renna said no. Like she name, only I knew. I don't like you like that. And I literally would come home every day after school and listen to this song. I'd get into my bed and pull the blankets up right up to my chin. I'd listen to this song and I would sing it over. One day, Joanne's going to be mine. And I went to grammar, Catholic grammar school. So I went to the same grammar school for like almost eight years with the same 30 something kids. So 20 years later, we had a grammar, not a high school, a grammar school reunion. (laughs) And of the 34 possibles that could have shown up, like 28 of them showed up. And Joanne Renna showed up. And I was like, do you know how in love I was? She goes, oh, my God, whatever. You didn't really like me. I go, dude endless love Lionel richie diana ross i spent hours opining over you going oh my god, she didn't love me she goes really i go are you married she's like yeah and i damn girl if i you know i would still marry you if i could have the yeah chance. it's wow. it's
0: amazing how those experiences can they're they're deep and where and where do we get to talk about this stuff Aww. because it's so much of it goes by and you don't really <laughs> process it or learn about it and you know, because it's, it's it's tough. Yeah, I'm going to have real. that song
2: at my wedding. I still, if I ever get married, which I God hope I do, you. I'm going to play that song. I'm going to look into my girl's eyes and I'm going to say, endless love. <laughs> is, is
0: there a person now in your life or are you single?
2: Uh, I am single, but something really crazy just happened to me. A girl that I fell in love with 10 years ago mm-hmm. found me on Instagram and just liked one of my things. Mm-hmm. And... I went to her page. and I'm like, oh, my God, Esme. Her name's Esmeralda. Is that mm-hmm. a beautiful name? Esmeralda yeah. Mata. I'm like, oh, my God. And all this emotion came out of me like, oh, my God, I was in love with this girl. And the thing about her is she had two little kids when mm-hmm. I first met her. Mm-hmm. And I used to be like, I, I would never date a girl with kids. I, I don't have any kids. I don't want to date a girl with kids. Mm-hmm. But if anyone would change my mind, it'd be her because she was so amazing and extraordinary. And for years I talked about her on stage and I told her that because her kids were so amazing and so beautiful. Long story short, she's married with a guy she's not happy with and about to get a divorce. Wow. So I don't know what the future holds, but she married some dude, uh, like they set her up on a date and he asked her to marry her right away. And she was like, oh, I'm not sure if I should do this. And her kids are like, hey, mom, you've been single for so long. So she married some bonehead. They've been married for less than two years and she's about to divorce him. And so I've been on the phone with her for hours and hours. I know everybody out there sitting there going, No, Ernie, don't do it. You don't, don't. But if you're coming from a place of love and honesty. Love is love. Love and honesty. Love is love. I went to go have coffee with her just to see how she you know, just to see if the feelings were still there. Right when we saw each other, our eyes connected and then we just walked slowly towards each other like West Side Story when oh. Tony. and My Maria... favorite
0: all-time musical, man. Oh my, my favorite God. all-time.
2: That scene where everything disappears and they yeah. just walk slowly towards each other—that's what happened at Starbucks. You're
0: not making a joke, are you? No. Oh. I don't know how to joke, joke like that. I have not yet learned to joke, joke like that. that. Oh. <laughs> Jets and sharks, right here oh, in the yeah. house, baby. Oh, West Side oh, Story. That—that—that—that that, that started my career. My dad did a—he uh, did a high school play. He was a gym teacher. He did a oh. high school play. He played Lieutenant Shrank. That's so. right there
2: showbiz wow yeah, wow. yeah. ernie baby classic.
0: with the y-tunes connections
2: so we'll see we'll see what happens with esmeralda you know i do absolutely love her and like when you know you love someone you just know you love them and i absolutely love her but you know i i, I, I we both agree that me has should have nothing to do with what's going on with her and when she's done with that i'll ask her out if that know. happens best so we'll see. of luck and if we ever get married i'll play endless love <laughs> <laughs> my
1: love. I love that. I love that. Yeah. From Joanna
2: to Esmeralda. Aww. Aww. Joanna. Ernie
1: is I- one of the people that loves so deeply and so passionately. And not just romantically, but when like he connects with someone, he's just like, mm. yes. All about.
2: Yeah. yeah. That's, that, I wear my heart on my sleeve for sure.
1: He tells these amazing stories about how... He'll be invited to graduations of students that have stayed in touch after he's done his shows at their yeah. schools. Yeah. And he just, like, it's great getting those texts like, look at all these kids. And he has these pictures of like all these wonderful looking students that are just so happy to be in his presence. And you just give, give, give.
0: I'm glad
2: you're here. Yeah, I totally. I'm relating. I had a kid it, talking to him about what Maggie just said. I wish he would have contacted me sooner, but... I spoke at his eighth grade graduation. Then he went to Narbonne High School, and I was the keynote speaker at his high school graduation. Mm -hmm. Then he went to Cal State Dominguez Hills, got a degree in psychology, and I was the keynote speaker at his college graduation. Oh, wow. And then he found me online. He goes, bro, I don't know if you realize this or not. I never really told you, but you spoke at my eighth grade graduation, my high school graduation, my college graduation. I'm about to get my master's from Cal State Long Beach. I'd be honored if you could be there. And I was like, dude. Wow. Why didn't you tell me, bro? I showed up and his whole family was like, Ernie, oh my God, we have pictures of you in our house and Aww. you know you meant so much to my son. And I was like, I wish I would have known this. So now now he and I oh, are buddies. Yeah. But isn't that cool? It's yeah. very cool. Yeah. It's very good. And you'd
0: go to schools all over the
2: all over the country. I have thousands of kids. I get to participate in these youth empowerment programs <sighs> where we take young kids who are, you know, two point five GPAs and then we empower them and they become three point fives or thirty three or four And I, at this point I've been doing it so long, 10 years now, that all the kids that I inspired, 10, 15 10 years ago are now, you know, CEOs of companies and my buddy Isaac Rodriguez has his PhD and he, he started his own biochemical company and my friend Emily Angulo went graduated from Stanford and she's a teacher now and then and then I have all these kids who are currently in college that were like, oh my God, you spoke at my high school and it, it's so gratifying. Every year for graduation, I get invited to like 20 graduations from kids that I spoke at their and high school. I'm
0: schools. sure you've spoken at graduation.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, UCLA, Cal State Dominguez Hills, Cal Poly Pomona. All over the country, I've spoken at college graduations. It's
0: really, uh, you know,
2: I tell people all the time, when you wake up in the morning knowing that God put you on the planet to do what you're doing, you know, what else is there? You know, like I'm, I, I am clear that I wake up every morning knowing God put me on the planet to do this. That's great. Yeah, I feel very lucky. That's awesome. Next
1: song? Song, song number 3 Woohoo! Please report to the balance floor.
0: <laughs> <laughs> ah, I got a report right now. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh my god they're all doing uh, their robots. we're
2: dancing oh, we, we're dancing <laughs> my, this is my favorite move ready ready you got to look you got to look
0: ready there's Here, the there. hand elbow watch you, watch you. Oh! The eyebrows. Oh, you did a wave the with eyebrows. an eyebrow. That's a nice... That's wow. talent. <laughs> that's that's uh, tight. I, that I think the term act. is tight these days.
2: I haven't done it in so long. I That's shouldn't. hella tight. <laughs> yeah. Hella tight. I yeah. was a break dancer as a kid. So as a kid... You
1: were a break dancer too? Oh,
2: oh my God. All right. So Blue the
0: cardboard animals. box on the floor. Okay.
2: Anybody who's in their 35 and above... Remembers the movie Breakin. So Breakin came out was when we were kids, and it was about these break dancers. Yeah. But Breakin was kind of like a, a sugar pop kind of version of break dancing. The legit movie was called Beach Street. And Beat Street. Beat Street. That's right. Came out of New York, and it was produced by the
0: Lathams, who are who are. You were so young, man. This stuff was coming. You were on top Grammar of school. it. Grammar Dude, school, Because I was like middle high school when this was happening. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Yeah, I really? was. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, break it right. to oh, right. Electric oh, right. Boogaloo, man. Afterward, for sure. <laughs> like that's why I'm tripping. I'm like, this guy's yeah, younger than me. Yeah. How come he looks so much better? Than, like, <laughs> you know, that's because you're younger than me. This looks younger. Like- hard. I hang out
2: with kids all the time, and so Freakazoid, When you first hear that first line, freakazoids, robots, please report. Yeah. And, and it's not even. It's longer on the real version. It says, freakazoids, robots, please report to the dance floor. So there were all these breakdancing mm. crews. They would go meet up at the mall and they would bring these cardboard boxes wow. and put them on the floor and then they would spin on their backs on these cardboards and, and breakdance. And I couldn't really do the moves. Like my buddy Mike Hernandez and Gabriel Venegas, those guys were like amazing breakdancers. Yeah. And they, Gabriel could spin on his head, Michael could spin on his head, and I could I could do some moves, but I couldn't break dance. So I would rap and I became I would rap. Oh, check out my boy. M.C.E. That, that was my name. M.C.E. That's my title, not my name, but a t- Tell you right now, it's McLean to fame because once mm-hmm. you end the rap, you will surely see that I'm the baddest rapper throughout history. Oh my god, did wow. I just say that? What's
0: up? Sixth
2: grade. <laughs> Sixth wow. grade, I wrote that. So whenever I hear freakazoid, it just brings me back to the breakdancing days. But I felt like I was more legit than all the people that loved break-in because I loved Beach Street. And yeah, Beach Street you was were, filmed though. in New York mm-hmm. and it had like, Dougie Fresh, who's, mm-hmm. like, one of the greatest entertainers of all time, you know, with a beatbox... Dougie Fresh was a little boy. He was like a teenager in Beat Street. Mm -hmm. And then one of my favorite rappers of all time, his name was Kumo D. Kumo D. Mm -hmm. And Kumo D star. He had a scene in Beat Street. And all these old school rappers were in Beat Street. And if you watch it, it, it's kind of like – if you talk to like like Russell Simmons, who used to be the manager of Run DMC, and he was one of the founders of of getting hip-hop and rap into the mainstream – Everybody credits Beat Street as being the first time that the world got to see real, true, genuine hip-hop. And so Kumo D, I bumped into Kumo D at the Beverly Center one time, and I go, Kumo D? And he goes, hey, how you doing, man? And I was like, oh, my God. And I rapped the Stop last it. the last stanza of one of his famous songs. His famous song is called uh, I Go to Work. And I Go was, to Work. Oh! Yes. And listen, I, I got to say it. I got to say it. The last lines of, the, of I Go to Work is... To say rap is not work is ludicrous. Whoever said it must be new to this. If you hear me, you'll compare me to a prophet For profit, not merely putting words together for recreation. Each rhyme's a dissertation. You want to know my occupation? I get paid to rock the nation. I go to work. Oh, my God. Boom. Oh, my God. Yeah. And so I used to close my comedy routine with that. Uh, to say comedy is not work is ludicrous. And I always switch it from rap to comedy. And I just, there's something about that lyric that it just like embodies what I want my life to be about. Like, I go across the nation and I and I rock the nation with comedy instead yeah. of with rap. So when I hear Freakazoid it reminds me of my good old breakdancing days. That's and, uh, great.
0: Cool story. I think, I
2: think everybody w- uh, on some level wanted to be, like when breakdancing was hot, everyone kind of wanted to know how to do the moves and oh, stuff. Great. And it was... I remember going to Mexico and visiting family in Mexico, and I did one of my break dancing moves, and like my cousins were just like, oh, "That guy's possessed. He's a ghost. He knows how to do yeah. those weird things." Because I remember that when the moon when when the moonwalk first came out. Mm-hmm. Everyone was just... Now you see the moonwalk you're like, oh, that looks cool. But when it first came out, it transformed people. I saw
0: it live ABC. It was It was Ex- on the uh, Motown, Motown special. special. They're running that on PBS again. I was sitting in my den in the living room we, and he did that. We, it, we couldn't breathe. Oh, my God. It was insane. Oh, my God. Play the next song. Play the next song. Oh,
1: okay. I'll
2: Number tell four. you why. Oh. Okay. That's a perfect segue.
1: A great song. Oh,
2: just one of the greatest artists. of all time. An artist, king,
0: king of pop. Uh, uh
1: I wonder uh, who your uh. friends were, <laughs> What they were like, like, who did you run around with in grade school oh. or in middle school, high school? Yeah,
0: what's their names? Yeah.
1: Okay.
2: <laughs> well, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me segue with this song because okay. of what we were just talking about. So. Anybody who ever saw Motown 25 live, live. it transformed the world. People got to remember that back when we grew up, there were six or seven stations. two, four, five, seven, nine, eleven, 11, and 13. That's it. Now there's so many TV options. But back then, everyone watched The Tonight Show. Everyone watched a certain news show. And everybody who owned a TV watched Motown 25 and when Michael Jackson came out everyone was like oh the Jackson 5 how cool a reunion of the Jackson 5 and he goes I love the good old days but I love today and then he came out with Billie Jean and was like mystified and all these people stood up and I think they were at the Apollo Theater and all these black people were on TV standing up going yeah and then all of a sudden he spins and does the moonwalk and I'm telling you people froze they freaked out. Women screamed. Oh and gosh. your brain, it couldn't, it didn't understand how it looked like he was walking forward and he went backwards. It just, it, your, our brains had never seen it before.
0: Wow. It, it, it's incredible. And, and now is my opportunity to take the moniker Hollywood Secret Weapon because yes. I'm a shameless name dropper. Love okay? it. My first television pilot was a huge ABC Capital Cities before the Disney merger. Mm. The director... Was Don Misher, who directed Motown 25, oh, had wow. dinner at his house in Beverly Hills. It was like meeting the Messiah, mm. and he told me in detail about the conversations he had with Michael Jackson before that. And just again, can, am I even able to appreciate you know these experiences we get to have by showing up? Mm-hmm. You know, just incredible. And to talk about big time special TV, that's another groundbreaking element that really. That was the initial sort of... That's why we have these Making the Stars shows. and, and Yeah. Yeah, because he was the king of that.
2: And and what the next day, I vividly remember everyone talking about it and everyone going, Did you
0: see... How did he do that, dude? Uh, and try people to trying
2: it. to do it and trying to practice <laughs> it. But I, what I also vividly remember was that along with disco, you know, like I love disco, but after a while, everyone was like, Disco sucks and people hated disco. And then even Michael Jackson at the time... You know, Thriller had come out, and it was one of the greatest albums of all time. But there was still a lot of like heavy metalers and people that love rock. They're like, "Ew, Michael Jackson, ew, what's mm-hmm. that? That's that? That's that black music, or that's that hip hop, or whatever." And then after Motown 25,
0: everybody loved Michael Jackson mm-hmm. and Motown I had, nights at clubs. Oh my several, God, yeah. it was oh magical. Michael Jackson, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. And so I, 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 that's one of the formidable moments of my life where I. I I loved Michael Jackson before the world loved him. Mm-hmm. And then everybody loved him. And, yeah. I, and everyone, it was kind of like my buddy. So you're asking about my friends.
1: Yeah. So who would you practice <laughs> these moves with?
2: I know. The, the, well, grammar school, obviously. I So I went to, uh, I grew up in Highland Park. And like I said, I did hang around with a bunch of cholos and like gangster type people. But my mom always made sure that I was at school. And so, because my, mom, my mom's an only child. I mean, my mom's an only, a single mother, excuse me. And so I didn't I never had a babysitter, so I would always stay at school till five or six p.m. after school and hang out with my buddies. And so we'd go break dancing, you know, like there is a video arcade in Alhambra that used to be called the Pirate's Cove. Oh, nice! And we would take would get three bucks and three bucks was like 12 quarters. And I could make 12 quarters last for like two, three hours wow. playing Asteroids and, and nice. Space Invaders and Defender. Yeah. And so we'd, we'd play video games until we ran out of money. And then we'd go outside and we'd break dance against people. And I, I'd be rapping and my buddies would be spinning and stuff. And then all, the other cool thing, too, was um, I, I went to the Monterey Park Boys and Girls. It's called the Boys and Girls Club now, but it used to be just called the Boys Club. And I went to the boys club from, you know, it was from after school and every year for like 10 years from when I was like six, probably till I was about 16, I lived at the boys club and uh, there was a bunch of breakers there too. And there was a cholo, uh, which is a gangster, total gangster with tattoos all over his neck and everything. But he got a little part-time job at the boys club and he would take us to the park and we'd play wiffle ball and football with this cholo dude. And I remember I had a big... Haircut, Like, I, my mom never had, could afford a haircut, so I had a big afro. I had this huge afro. <laughs> <laughs> oh and God. so that cholo was like, hey, Holmes, you know what? You, you look like one of the hair bear bunch, Holmes. You look like one of the hair bear bunch. Because there used to be a cartoon called the hair, hair bear bunch. Yeah. And so my nickname at the boys' club was hair bear. Aww. And to this day, people see me on the street and they're like, hair bear. What's oh. up, dude? I was at the Laugh Factory doing jokes, and I saw one of the dudes from the Boys Club. I go, Javi. He goes, Hair Bear. I go, dude, oh, my funny. name's My name's Ernie G, dude. It's not Hair Bear no more. That's so cute. Yeah. So I uh, the Boys Club. When um, did you cut it off? I pff, still I know now I do. Um, I, by the time my mom got money, was probably not like till eighth grade or something. So when you start being self conscious because of the girls,
1: uh-huh. the
2: girls don't like it, Mom. I need to get a haircut. <laughs> Yeah, so are you ready Song for our last? Song number five. Yeah, so these, all these songs are all my childhood songs. I couldn't think of any adult songs. Ah. Oh. We are gathered today to get through this thing called life. Oh my god. Whew, breathe. Electric word, life it means forever, and that's a mighty long time. But I'm here to tell
0: you, there's something else. Yes, there is. The afterworld. Oh. You we see Day or night. Oh. Leave so it. It. Okay, okay, bring it, bring it. it. Come on. Uh, come uh, on,
2: come on. Yeah, yo. Oh, hit oh, it. Oh. The elevator tries to break you down.
0: What are you going to do? <laughs>
2: Woo! Go crazy. Punch a higher floor. <laughs>
0: Woo! Oh, wow, uh, I knocked it. Uh. <laughs>
1: it's crazy in here. <laughs> oh,
0: man. I'm getting chills. Oh, what a mix. What a like.
2: five. Dang, Ernie. The world you're living in. Take a look around These you. so great. At least we- you got friends. So called my old lady. Just leave it for a friendly word. Oh, leave it, leave it. She picked up the phone, dropped it on the floor. That's all I heard. Oh, God. Is that amazing or what? Oh, no. Let's go.
0: Okay. Okay. I'm so excited. Whoa, I'm so excited. If you want Ernie's mix, just dial, uh, come to Shuffle at gmail.com. We'll put it together for you. Nice. That's a good mix.
2: That Purple Rain is the quintessential movie of my childhood. Purple Rain. Just there's anybody that was around when that movie was hot. I mean, you know, Prince died last year and the LA city hall did a tribute to him Mm -hmm. and city hall in front of, you know, downtown. And there was 10,000 people at least. And people just loved him. And, I remember doing the dance moves and I remember everybody going to see it. And it was always the debate. Michael Jackson or Prince? Did you love do you love Michael Jackson or Prince? And like Maggie says, I'm a lover Mm -hmm. and I love them both. I love them both you don't have to pick sides they were both so amazing and I loved them both and yeah they, you don't have
0: to yeah you don't have to pick sides and either.
2: they were both different Prince was mm-hmm. the consummate musician I mean he could play any instrument and if you ever saw him live I got to see him a friend of mine was the president of the Prince Fran Club and she got like third row seats wow. and we were sitting we were at the Staples Center in front of Jack Nicholson that's how close we were to, the, to the stage Jack Nicholson was two rows behind us wow. and Prince you know he's doing all his songs and then all of a sudden he goes, let's slow it down a little bit, and he'll just grab a guitar and just acoustically play, and you're just sitting there, just going, this guy is a musical genius. Yeah. Michael Jackson, I'm not sure how many mus- uh, uh, musical instruments he played, but he was a composer and he knew how to compose music and get it all together, and his dance moves were, you know, amazing. Mm-hmm. I'm so sad. That he died doing that last movie. This is it, mm-hmm. Why, because he was recreating all of his classics. You know, if you ever saw the movie, this is it. You know, mm-hmm. they showed a few of those scenes, and it's so heart wrenching. The five songs that I chose were all songs from my childhood because I was, was I couldn't leave any one of them out. They were all so important to me. And Let's Go Crazy is just, it, I, I don't know if there's a more feel good song on the planet. Is this yes. like your
1: pump up before a show? Kinda? Oh my
2: God. It's it, it, it just, you can't listen to it without just going
0: crazy. That's a Y Tune Shuffle right there. Oh yep. my God. Yep.
2: Yeah. So I'm old school.
1: So we have a listener story that was written in by Shara from Robinson, Illinois.
2: Oh my God. This song.
1: Joe Cocker, you are so beautiful. She says my dad would sing this song to my mom when she was feeling blue. It would brighten her day because she would never really feel pretty, but not knowing she was beautiful to my dad was all that she needed. Fast forward to me being born and my dad would sing the song to me and he said the words brought new meaning to him once I arrived. And I have memories of him singing it to my mom and dancing in the kitchen. He also sang it to me when I was down. Now, he sings it to my three-month-old daughter when she starts to cry, and it warms my heart to no end and brings back so many memories. It's a song that has carried our family through so many rough patches, and whenever I hear it on the radio, it instantly brings a smile to my face. And that is Shara from Robinson, Illinois. That That's is her, beautiful, and that beautiful is her story. song choice. And Shara,
0: thank you so much for sending that. Can I come hug you?
1: I know. Right? Joe Cocker, you are beautiful. Yeah. Mm, That's the
0: listeners. Please, you know, send us uh, your story and be part of the show. Any one of you listening, just, you know, go ahead at ytuneshuffle at gmail.com. We're all in this together, right? Oh, my God. Ernie, Maggie, right?
2: We're all in
1: this
0: together. Absolutely. This is a universal thing.
1: It's our listener story of the week brought to you by Your Name Here.
0: So cute.
1: All right, now it's time for our David segment. This is called Band or Bar.
0: This is right. This is it, the ever-evolving, ever-developing show, Band Name or Bar Name. Band Name or Bar Name, Yeah, and um, we actually have a sponsor for this who's going to give us, you and I at least, generous discounts on our real work. Yes. And a listener, if you're in the L.A. area, uh, August 8th, 9th, 15th, and 16th, near Burbank, California, M2M Studios is going to be allowing you to get on tape and be part of a professional Hollywood-level production so that you can take your acting career to the next step. So if you want more information, just email us at ytuneshuffle at gmail.com, and we'll hook you up, and I will fight tooth and nail to get you 15% discount. Or the- you
1: can uh, just click the link in the bio of the In the podcast.
0: For you. Okay. So band name or bar name, Ernie, it works this way. Maggie's played numerous times. She's really good at this game. I have selected a number of different bars and a number of different local bands Mm. from a particular area. Our last guest last week decided that it would be, and it it was Andrew Salzman, Mm -hmm. Uh, Dublin, Ireland. Dublin, Dublin, Ireland. Dublin, Ireland. So I went online and I made some selections. And I'm just going to read them and you're going to tell me whether this is the name of a bar or the name of a band if okay. uh, you're in Dublin, we Ireland. We get
1: points, but they don't matter. So okay, they,
0: don't, cool. they, they don't matter. And you I better win. And but, I have no idea what he's yeah. going to say, so we're playing At, together. Okay, uh, you cool. know, yeah. Everyone's a winner. Okay, the now,
2: old, I don't know what he's about to say. We're routine. in
0: Dublin, <laughs> Ireland, Ernie. You have you and Maggie have just done a killer show and I'm along for the ride. And I say, you guys up for three arena? Would I, would I be taking you to a, a bar, or would I be taking you to see a really great band? Three, three arena. arena, yeah, it's number sound- three arena. arena. It
2: definitely sounds like a venue, but now I feel like you're messing with us a little bit. No, so. I <laughs>
0: wouldn't think of that.
1: I'm gonna say it's a club. It's probably got like three different floors in it.
0: Yeah. Well, if I were to say you guys up for Three Arena and you were up for a club, you'd be absolutely right. Because yeah. Three Arena is located wow. at North Wall Kwai in Dublin City. John Martin saw uh, the Prodigy there last Saturday and says a great place for concerts. Well mm. done, folks. So yeah. it's your, your one zero, yeah. one 1-0, okay? All right. S-I-N capital E. Sin E. Sin E. Are we going to a bar?
1: Oh, it's like a calculation thing. That's what you see in your calculator. Like I didn't sign. even know that.
0: sign, co- yeah, okay. Yeah, that go, oh yeah <laughs> okay. <laughs> was not very good at math here. I didn't catch that. yeah sign e or yeah. sin e. That's a band. That's a band.
1: Yeah, they're math geeks. That's I,
2: I don't know. I'm good. Oh, she's like, with such certainty.
0: I was like, wow. You, you have them on your iTunes? Cinny the band. You better be hungry, Maggie, because at 1450 Ormond Way in Dublin City, according to Kieran Mick, Kieran Mick wrote, really nice place for live music, and the pizzas looked great. Aww. It's, a bar, it's a bar name. I
1: want you to do this on an Irish accent from now
0: on. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll try my best to do it. I do drink the Edoers from time to time. So, yes. <laughs> really nice place for live music. The pieces, they looked great. Wow. They looked great. Wow. <laughs> <Really> good, <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Hey, uh, you guys up for director? Ooh. Director? Yeah. Ooh. yeah. Director mm-hmm. is definitely a band. I'm going band. You're definitely right. Director's a pop yeah. music band from County Dublin. Michael Maloney. Michael Maloney, Ian Ahern, Sean Shea Lauer, and Rowan Oirel and the, the thing about director their quote is we thrive on big cities nice they thrive on big cities <laughs> nice. director they've been around since the nineties they've probably never been to a big city but they thrive on them <laughs> we're,
1: we're, 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 we're a
0: worldly bunch here now we're, remember we're, we're in Ireland and pubs
1: accent i, I I'm in the mood here.
0: I'm in the mood for pet lamb I'm in pet the mood lamb. for pet lamb how about you ernie pet lamb Maggie ernie I couldn't
2: imagine that anyone would want to go eat at a place called Pet Lamb. Right. So I think it's a band.
0: Well played, sir. A band since 1991. Brian yes. Mooney, vocals and guitar. Dylan Phillips on vocal and guitar. Kevin Talbot, bass. And James Lillis on the drums. Pet <laughs> Lamb, right Pet there lamb. in lovely Dublin, Ireland. Hey, uh, I'm up for Oliver Street, John Gogarity. Oliver Go-Garrity. Street, John Gogarity. Wow! Oliver
1: Street, John Gogarty
0: Oliver Street, John Gogarity <laughs> That's just too long of a name for a band, so I'm going to say it's a venue. Um,
1: yeah. it's okay.
0: You can differ, Maggie.
1: No, I was going to say venue too, but not because it was too long.
0: Oh, what was it? Just you just had Cause that, the that vibe. Well, because
1: it's Oliver Street, John Gear. I don't know. Yeah,
0: Oliver. I'm sorry, Oliver Saint John Gallagheri. Oh, yeah.
1: Oh, then it's a it's a singer.
0: No, it's at 58 Fleet Street, in <laughs> Dublin, well, <laughs> <I was gonna laughs> <say>. Dublin City. <laughs> Delphin English. Uh, uh, well, there was a, a, a the Delphin English Schools, which are located in Dublin. Apparently, that's where a lot of the staff and faculty, and maybe some of the students, do go. Yeah. And they say it's genuine Irish atmosphere with great live music to enjoy alongside a refreshing pint of Guinness and a delicious fish and chips. Oh, yeah, yeah it's, that's what it is. Bang skin the- dive, skin dive, skin dive. Where are we going to go? Uh. Skin dive. That sounds like a dive bar, but I'm—I I, still—I think I'm going to go with band. Skin dive
1: sounds like a sex club. Mm. Ooh.
0: It is a band. It's a band. Skin it dive is a band. Is a band. A band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. An Irish electro rock band formed in the late 1990s, heavily distorted guitars and clear female vocals. That's Skin Dive. <laughs> okay, Ernie. Now it's your turn. What? Where am I going next week? And uh, so I can baffle Maggie and our guest uh, with bar name or band name. Any place in the world.
2: Any place in the world? Okay. Well, I, I'd like to keep it local if I can. Please. In East L.A., there are a bunch of amazing bars. And I don't know if that's too local. Is that too small? Not at all. No. No. Okay, there's a great place. Oh, I shouldn't even tell you. Okay, okay, got it, got it. it. Here's
0: I'm going to throw a curveball in here. Okay. Okay. Can you help me write Band or Bar for next week? Absolutely. Because I love the local flavor. I love that Anytime we can talk about where we are having this great experience. We're in L.A. This is an amazing city. And that's Bar Name or Band Name brought to you by M2M Studios out here doing real Day in Los Angeles, August 8th, 9th, 15th, and 16th. Get a really great reel produced at a really great price. Thank you very much, William Herndon and M2M Studios for sponsoring Band Name or Bar
1: Name. Ernie G., we've gone through your fave five. You've talked about a lot of like your youth. Yes. We're in 2017 now.
2: Holy cow. Japers. What
1: is a guilty pleasure of yours?
2: Oh, What are you listening to that you G. are? <laughs> my G. I, I go to sleep almost every night with... How does a bastard, orphan, son of a whore, and a Scotsman dropped in the middle of a forgotten? No, no,
1: is that um? You guys don't know? No, uh, into the into the height. Uh, they
2: close. It's Hamilton. Oh,
1: it's Hamilton. I it's seen same- it
2: or heard it. Oh yeah. my God! Okay, I love musicals. Mm-hmm. I dated a girl who took me to go see Les Mis many, many years ago, and the whole time. You know, they start singing all these songs, and I kept she kept looking at me like, "Are you enjoying it? Do you like it?" And I was like, "I'm waiting for the play to start. When does the play start?" And she's like, <laughs> "It started three numbers ago. You got to listen to the words of the of the lyrics oh. of the songs." I was like, "I was waiting for the songs to stop and for them to start acting," oh. and so I missed the whole thing. But I vividly remember the second uh, half of Les Mis just. Falling in love with it. Yeah. And so after Les Mis, I fell in love with musicals.
1: This is David's favorite part of the David's, show. David's.
2: David's Favorites. This You're is right. David's
1: favorite part of the show. <laughs> uh, and we save Let's it leave
2: the- David's Favorites. I like David's, David's Favorites.
1: Favorites. <laughs> <laughs> so
2: cute. Yes, it is. Maggie's like, uh, I'm going to edit that out. And we're like, no, keep it. <laughs> uh, no, I have to
1: sound perfect all the time. Right.
0: The time.
2: I have a reputation to uphold Ernie
0: G.
1: That's not true. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, always a fascination among us here at Y-Tune Shuffle and the Tune Squad, because it's another one of these shared experiences most of us have nice. that I can reflect on. And this is brought to you by Insert Sponsor here. Ernie G., thinking very hard, which I know is not difficult for you, um, <laughs> what was your very first concert experience? And tell us about that day and night. Arms are up in the air. Oh Victory blows. Yes. Took a big breath Muhammad in. Ali. Yep, he knows. Yeah. Okay,
2: yeah. Here it is. Okay, my first concert experience was when my mom took me to the Greek theater to see the Village People. Oh,
0: <laughs> what a
2: great one. What a great one. Uh, but the song I vividly... Young remember, man. Yes, <laughs> the song I remember vividly, "macho macho, macho man." So yeah, great. So great. I want to be, to be a macho. macho. I Did got you see to be that mooch. night too? Oh my God, so <laughs> many chichis and didn't even realize chichis that and men cheeks. and women have chichis Was there?
1: How old are you? Do you remember? I, a little boy. Little oh, boy. Yeah, don't, man. Was it just you and your mom?
2: Just my mom that I remember, yeah. My Mm -hmm. mom took me to the Greek theater to see the Village People. Mm -hmm. My first concert ever. So that's my first concert with my mom. My first concert by myself that my mom let me go without her. Mm -hmm. My buddy Jeff Kohler and Matt Wynn went to go see Whitney Houston. Wow. Her first concert ever at the Greek. And we sat way in the nosebleeds. Uh And we're all, dude, dude, like when the music ends, dude, when it stops, let's yell, we love you, Whitney. Okay, one, two, three. We love you, Whitney. And she stopped and looked up. She goes, love you too, guys. And we're like, oh, dude, <laughs> she loves us too, bro. We high-fived. You now
0: that's live hi, concerts, hi. man. Oh. You
1: got it. Ernie G., this has been an, an unbelievable journey that you've taken us on. Thank you oh, so much for coming on the show. So
2: great. Thank you. Congratulations on your awesome podcast. I'm going to tell everybody to listen.
1: Okay. <laughs> um, and if fans that have yet to get to know you want to reach out, follow you, and, and continue the journey with you, how do they do that? What's your corner of the internet uh,
2: ernie g haha so ernie g.com and then ernie g haha on everything instagram twitter e- facebook E r n i e g h a h a e r n i e g h a h a.
1: well thank you ernie you're the best Woo-hoo, well, awesome. great meeting you ernie thank, meet you thank, you. Too. thank you
2: awesome <laughs>